happy face. How happy is your face? It's so happy. No, I, I've been on painkillers for like, because I had my last surgery on Friday. Oh, damn. How'd it go? So, uh, good, but it just turns your life into a blur for a couple of days. Show you know up. Else, you know what else is a blur? The Savage Land. Finna be some energy, we got the remedy, I'm in the vicinity of a nigga that can spit it with me. Fill the fire whenever we act up. Everybody else is a compatible with the artillery. So forget about it when you hear about it, cause it's too fast when the past of a time to buster. Hit a victim in the middle of the body with a bullet and a rhythm, every murder is structure. Every time I hit you nigga with another gem and then I'm like, and I be turning like a nigga full of anger. Now I'm back to beat you in the head, I bring another banger when my nigga twists. Everything we do, we got the ranger. You don't really, really wanna see the way I come in and I give it till you get up on until a nigga numb. Do it how I wanna do it till I make another nigga drop. I'm gonna do it. Alright, welcome back to the Savage Land. Woohoo! Uh, woohoo. Uh, how many savages do we have today? Uh, we have exactly one and a half. What? You're here, and, and I'm I'm half. Wait, why are you only a half? I don't know. Don't say yourself short. <laughs> I'm just I'm a pessimist today. That's that's why I'm a half. Oh, okay, right on. Yeah. Well, what's up, man? What's the news from the City of Angels? Oh man, the City of Angels, bright lights, big city, all the all the stuff is going on. Me and me and uh, BP were hanging out the other day. That's uh, that's Brad Pitt, if you don't know. Um, okay. Yeah, we I were just not. I did not know. So was, thank you for clarifying. Yeah, no problem. It's you know a lot of people don't know that's his nickname. It's it kind of something he only tells his close friends. Um, yeah, we were just hanging out the other day. I mean, nothing, nothing too big there. Uh, mm. Yeah, he was he was telling me about his new uh, Robert Zemeckis film that he's uh, working on. It's a World War II thriller. Sounds pretty cool, I guess. I don't know if you're into that kind of thing. It's him and it's Zemeckis and Spielberg teamed up with Tom Hanks and Brad Pitt to make a World War II movie. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, I mean, Brad Pitt and Zemeckis are actually doing a World War II movie, but... Um, Another one? I guess. I'm with you, man. I need, We knew if we're going to go, if they're going to do more historical war movies, we need more World War I movies. Right? I'm, I want some World War I, some Nam, some Korea. Oh, we haven't had a movie about the Korean War, like, I don't think ever. I don't think we need any more Nam. We already have Apocalypse Now and Platoon. Oh, that's true. I think we're good. I think we're good. Uh, yeah, I guess Nam got pretty well covered in, like, the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, let's let's go to Korea. I think that's our that's our new war movie subject because I mean even Iraq has already been done to death. This is gonna sound super bad, but if they made a movie about the Korean War, I bet you most Americans would think it was the Vietnamese War. <laughs> You're probably right. They'd probably have to call the movie Korea, <laughs> <laughs> just so people knew. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Um. But yeah, no, the the city of angels is uh, is just great. I I'm I'm still suffering from living right around the corner from freaking Hollywood and Highland and and the Chinese theater. So I the other day was like just trying to go get some damn ramen, and uh, the Suicide Squad premiere was going on. Just this, let's see, this was Monday. You come on. You went down there intentionally to see it. No, I I really didn't. I didn't realize that Suicide Squad was premiering at that theater. Because, I mean, the thing mm-hmm. is, like, you can't... Because, I mean, what what am I going to do? Just, like, stand there and, like, wait to see when the... You know, like, when Jared Leto walks to his limo or whatever? Like... Uh, yeah. And you, you can comment on who he's wearing. <laughs> I just run out there with, like, my entire mixer and microphone and everything. Like, Jared Leto, Jared Leto, Jared Leto, hey, what are you... Who are you? What's the suit? Hey, Jared Leto, hey. 
<laughs> That's what I'd do. Yeah, yeah, you should have done that. Hold my mixer with like a battery generator on my back or something like that. Just like yes. 50 pounds yes. of equipment and just run up to yes. him for an interview. Just fucking get a wheelbarrow and... <laughs> Or like a little red rider wagon or whatever those things there are. There we called. go. I should probably invest in like a portable recorder. That might be a good idea. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, it seriously sucked. It like when they shut down the street there, they shut down the sidewalk on the side of the Chinese theater, and then they also like fence off all the way to the other side of the street. And so it shoves like all of the tourists that are normally on two sides of this one sidewalk like on on two different sidewalks it shoves all of them over to like one single sidewalk and then half of them are like standing there peering over the gates and stuff like trying to get a peek of will smith's left ear or something and uh that is his best ear it's it's definitely his best ear that that much is cannot be contended um it's been agreed upon but it's just annoying man i'm like i literally like i just want some goddamn noodles with some chicken in them and nope. uh, it's making my life hell. Yep. I got yelled at because, like, I... Because I was, like, the sidewalk was so crowded that I went, just, like, walked, like, on the street instead of going through the sidewalk and having to just, like, push through that monstrosity of people. I walked on the street, so it was technically on the other side of the gate, but it was still across the street from the actual, like, premiere and all that crap. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and like, the security people, like, yelled at me while I was doing it. I was like, oh, I'm just walking, and trailed off while I was going on and they're like hey, man, man, man. so yeah, that was fun right on yeah and that's all that's going down in the in the in the big city the quest for ramen <laughs> it's a never-ending quest man i it's unfortunate that there's such a good ramen place right around the corner from me because i go there entirely too often yeah yeah it's because it's like it's like chipotle but for ramen like you just you tell them what broth you want and what noodles you want and then after that they just go down the line and you tell them what else to put in yeah that actually sounds fucking amazing it's fantastic it's like the greatest idea ever and it's something like i'm not going to credit myself with the idea but it is something that i've talked about before and then moving out here made me realize it exists and so i was i was really pleased to find that because lord knows i wasn't gonna do it that's the thing there's no original ideas anymore no they're all just as as brilliant as we all want to think we are I am brilliant, though. Mm-hmm. Debatable. I'm writing an entirely unique comic book about a, a crew of people on a spaceship that can't seem to get their act together. What What is not original about that? Uh, I don't know. Galaxy Quest. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Galaxy Quest. Futurama. <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I mean, that's that's the thing. We, there's no original ideas anymore, so we're literally like, why is Rick and Morty so popular right now? Because it just riffs on all the other ideas that we've already had. Oh, totally. It just smashes them all together in a one giant smorgasbord. Just makes a big old smish smash flippity flap. And, Ju- and Justin Roiland has funny voices. <laughs> yeah. Did I just realized last week we said we were going to talk about uh, Star Trek. Did you see mm-hmm. the Star Treks? No, I did not see Star Treks. I was... Uh, like I said on the uh, cold open, yeah, cold open. Woo, drugged up on painkillers. Yeah, how's your how's your mouth feel? It's okay now. Well, that's good. It's Obviously, good to have a good feeling mouth. Here I am, here I am talking. <laughs> Did you already binge read the entirety of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child? No, I'm not going to read it. I don't have any desire to read it. 
I'm I'm gonna read it probably. I heard it wasn't great. I don't know. Well, yeah, but I mean, I I don't know. I just I I don't bother listening to reviews of anything anymore. That's you're okay. Well, I mean, this is the the excellent segue into yeah. our, our one of our topics. But you're welcome. It it makes me think of uh, uh, something that reviews were uh, dead spot on, which is Chuck Wendig's Star Wars book. <laughs> Because I like I I was like I should read this book and then I went into the iTunes and read the reviews and they were like, this is the worst and I was like screw you guys that's not that bad, no, they were right. <laughs> yeah, I much like you I tried reading that book and I got like two or three chapters in and I just couldn't handle it. I think you got farther than I did, man. I I I don't think I even got past a chapter. Really. Uh, no man, it was like obvious from the get go. It was just <laughs> garbage. Just <laughs> like bullets raining down on the crowd, crowd running away from bullets. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was that was that was the part where I was like, this book. I kind of I caught the same feeling as you, but for some reason I kept reading. Where I was, where it was like, and the statue comes crumbling down, and the little boy looks at the destruction, and his dad is also there, and they're both going, "What is with all the destruction?" It's like it's like he like dictated it to himself as like a rough draft, and then they were just like, "Eh, good enough." <laughs> well, we don't need to revise that, do we? All right, we're see like, ya. Uh, nah, let's go cash our checks. Publish it, sell it, cash our checks. I'm sure he made a bunch of money off of it. <laughs> he probably did. Enough money to... He made that Hyperion money, you know? That's true. <laughs> Hyperion money is fucking cha-ching. He's like, now that, I've, now that I've reached the level of success where I can write a Star Wars book or five, now I'm going to do the ultimate, ultimate uh, uh, holy grail and write Hyperion, the greatest Ugh. character ever created. Yeah, they, with, with the like, amount of people that have written good Star Wars books, I'm seriously blown away that they went with that guy. Yeah, it makes no it makes no sense to me. I know. Well, and I think they're like, I think they kind of realized what a misstep they had because now they're bringing back um, Timothy's oh, on. Timothy's on. Yeah, and he's going to write another Thrawn book. Yeah. So, which is dope. maybe I don't know. Yeah, it's I, like I a totally. It's like a totally different Thrawn now, though. I mean, it's like it's Thrawn in character only, right? Yeah, he's like, uh, yeah, I don't think he's Grand Admiral anymore, or some like something like that. I don't know. There's a yeah, there's some alterations there. I don't know what exactly is going on, but I mean, well, well, I mean, they have to because it takes place before the before Star Wars. Yeah, it's like he he's like a carryover from like the prequel era, or like the Clone Wars era, I guess is what you would call it. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I'm I'm freaking whatever on it. Yeah, I'll probably. Yeah, I pretty much am. I pretty much am too. I'll, I'll, I'll keep I'll, reading the I'll keep reading the comics. Yeah, no, me me too. I'm actually I'm like pretty far behind right now on the comics. I need to catch up. Yeah, me too. I remember the uh, the first issue of um, Obi Wan and Anakin was like really good. I thought at least, and I wanted to keep I reading got, it. I got through a couple of those. Yeah, they weren't bad. I really I want to finish it because like I think it's mostly because I want to read good prequel era stuff. <laughs> sure. And uh, I don't know, and I think that's why I liked the um, what you call it, the Clone Wars animated series so much was that it was like it was prequel era stuff, and so like it had those visuals that I I really liked, um, but the stories were a lot better and less diluted than uh, what you got in the movies. 
Gotcha. This is actually a really good sequel into my uh, really good segue into my surprise topic. Should surprise we, uh, topic. Should we, <laughs> we meta topic topic within topic? Let's do it. Let's let's go one deeper. Let's let's top exception. Oh yeah, that's what I was looking for. Topic top top yeah. Meta top exception. There we go. We'll do it. There you go. Uh, no. So I was watching Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom last night. Okay. And we the world should have known. The world should have known with the with Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom, the depths of hack and schlock that George Lucas was willing to go to <laughs> to make a movie. Like Explain. it was like it was like some big surprise to us when the prequels came out. We were like, and everybody's like, "What? These aren't good." <laughs> and it's like, no, we should have known. We all saw temple of doom it's fucking terrible so like it's it's not good i haven't watched temple of doom so please tell me well you've never seen indian jones and temple of doom i mean i've i've probably seen bits and pieces but i've never actually went and watched temple of doom no i don't even want to tell you, you no tell me watch it. fucking tell me the listeners the listeners have all seen it everybody's yeah you're the weird one out so so tell tell the listeners and and me as well why it's so hacky yeah it starts with a musical number, which is like kind of like red flag. That is always a red flag. <laughs> okay, and then you go from Raiders of the Lost Ark, where it's Indy and um, what's her name, Marianne, right? Yes. You've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, I have. I, I don't remember. I think that was her name, but I'm not positive. I can anyway, look it up. So they have like a good sort of love balance. I mean, it's just a well-rounded good movie. Yeah. Like that's just generally considered a good movie, and it's clean and it's fun. And then Temple of Doom is Indiana Jones. He teams up with a ten-year-old. I don't know. Oh, the Asian. Oh, yeah, the Asian kid. uh, Whatever his name is. Short round. Yeah. (laughs) Who? Who? When I was a kid, fucking loved him. But I was also a kid, and he was funny. And now I'm watching it last night. I'm like, oh, he's just dumb. (laughs) He's like this like caricature of this Chinese kid. Yeah. Who, who just makes fun of Indiana Jones, and it's kind of like, why is why yeah, why is Indy hanging out with this kid? <laughs> I don't understand. And then the the love interest, the girl, she's the lead singer in the musical intro. Uh huh. And it's all like it like it's so weird, man. It starts out like they're in this little theater, and they come out and they're doing like a Broadway show tune or something, and then it like pans out, and they're in this giant theater. It's all black, and there's this tap dancing number for a while. <laughs> like, out of nowhere. Anyway, and then she plays, like, this, like, ditzy, dis- like, uncoordinated mess of a adventurer who, like, complains the entire time about being on this adventure with Indiana Jones. Willie Scott just... is her name, right? Huh? Willie Scott? Yeah, Willie. Yeah, Willie. <laughs> okay. And and she is just the worst. She's super annoying. It's not funny. I don't know if it's supposed to be like for comic relief or something. <laughs> it's um. just terrible. Huh. Uh, anyway, I watched it because I watched uh, um, The Last Crusade two nights ago. Yeah. And uh, The Last Crusade is a good movie. The difference in the two is Temple of Doom was solely written by George Lucas. Last Crusade was co-written by George Lucas and somebody else. 
Was Temple of Doom solely written by George Lucas? That's what it said. Story by George Lucas. Well, so story by, but I'm I'm seeing screenplay credits by. Well, both of them have different screenplay credits. Interesting. And both of them are also Spielberg movies, and Spielberg is obviously known to make a movie just to make a movie for his buddy George. Yeah. Whether whether or not he really is into it or not. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. In so Last Crusade, um, George Lucas and Menno Magus wrote the yeah, story, the and then is. yeah, I don't either. And then Jeffrey Bohm wrote the screenplay with characters by George Lucas and Philip Kaufman. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark was, ah, good old Larry Kasdan on the screenplay with uh, Lucas and Philip Kaufman creating the story. And then, okay, so yeah, the only story credit on Temple of Doom is George Lucas. Yep, Odd Man Out. Temple of Doom, George Lucas. Shit. Yep. I just, I'm telling you, man, that guy is a fucking mess, and we love him. Like, he fucking lucked out with Star Wars somehow. Yeah. Well, I mean, and we we read the uh, the Star Wars graphic novel adaptation where they took the original screenplay and put it on there. And that was... Yeah, it's, it's just garbage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. George Lucas is, like, on this... You know, I'm not trying to, like, hate all over George, but I'm kind of hating all over George because <laughs> if it's just George, it's not good, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, he just doesn't. He's he he would have like he would have killed in 1935, uh, but he was not killing in the 80s. Yeah, even with Spielberg behind him. I mean, watch the movie; it's a fucking mess. Yeah, I, I might watch it at some point. I like. I've it's like you can Harrison Ford doesn't like telling the lines in the movie. Like you can tell he's not into it. It's crazy, and I know he liked playing Indiana Jones. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting how for somebody who worked with George Lucas, you know, six times, it's interesting how much Harrison Ford didn't like working with George Lucas. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. He probably didn't work with Lucas much in Indiana Jones. He worked with Spielberg. Yeah, well, I know Lucas was on set quite a lot though for those movies. Sure. Uh, they were probably buds for a while. Then he just got bitter about Star Wars. But yeah. Um. Ah, uh, no. Well, man, and and he even he worked with, actually no he worked with him. Uh, seven times. I forgot about American yeah, Graffiti. American Graffiti. Yeah. yeah. Good lord. Yeah. That's yeah, a I lot mean, of George have... Lucas to handle. They must have been buds. I mean, there's no other way around it, right? No. He he must have been able to look past the uh, the chin. And they were just. I didn't really have the chin back then, though. That's true. He had the he had the indie filmmaker yeah. beard. Yeah, yeah. He looked like a normal person for a while. <laughs> yeah, he really did. Back in the day, George Lucas, like, he wasn't handsome, but he 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 definitely wasn't a bad looking dude. Uh, and then he turned into a frog. <laughs> yeah. In both no, a, in ju- both appearance and in uh, in voice. Yeah. No, I, it's just something I noticed. I just was I was watching it and I was just like, it's one of those movies you go back to revisit because I remember liking it when I was a kid and it's like it's obviously it's iconic. Yeah. But oh, it's just a mess. It's not good. It's like the dialogue is just the fucking worst and like in indie's like cracking really bad one-liners and stuff and it's like what is this Um, what is this garbage yeah i feel like anytime george lucas writes a joke it just doesn't land no he's not funny no not at all and that's why like american graffiti as much as it's a good film it was intended to be a comedy and it's not really that funny of a movie like it's a it's a pretty good movie but it's not very funny no, and is Star Wars funny? No. no. Like, you, there's obvious attempts at jokes in there, and they just, like, that's the, that's the thing, man. Star Wars is just the fucking fluke of nature. Yeah. 
it just somehow where, like, managed to the jokes he obviously he was trying to make put jokes in there yeah but they just turned into good they just turned into good character like it just somehow became natural it yeah just, i don't know right, right place right time right alignment of the stars for that movie to come out oh totally i i um, i agree but ugh, no oh, man <laughs> That's um, bad. So so we'll 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 climb out of the rabbit hole and go back to the thing we were originally going to talk about, and yes. we don't have to spend too much time on it because I've I've kind of come up with a few other things we can talk about. Um, by the way, Rachel, nope, we're going to talk we're going to talk about it for five <laughs> straight hours. So it seems to be happening now, and that's all, another reason I don't want to spend too much time about it because it's kind of getting covered to death. Um, well, I think that's part part of what I wanted to touch on, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, let's I mean let's talk about the whole aspect of it. So Suicide Squad is You should put a little sting in there. The a little like a little a little a little noise, a little music. A little like dun 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 <laughs> <laughs> We'll see we'll see if it happens. As you're listening to this, dear listener, you'll see how much editing <laughs> I decided to do. Well, I stung it. I stung it for us. <laughs> there you go. Maybe I'll just cut your voice out and put it there again. There you go. Um but uh yeah so it's got it's right now sitting from the from the pre-release reviews it's sitting at about a 36% aggregate from the critics on Rotten Tomatoes. Wait, it said no critics reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. No, it's had crit- that's what the reviews are. It's had no audience reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, really? Yeah. What was, what was I looking at? Uh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, yeah, thirty six percent of whatever or something on Rotten Tomatoes, and yeah. then ninety eight percent want to see. Yeah, exactly. Which I don't know what "want to see" means. I mean, anyone can fucking click that button, right? That doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it just means it's anticipated. It doesn't necessarily. I don't think mean... that. Right, I don't think there's any. There's no rating involved with "want to see," but people try no. to compare it. Like, look, this is what the user rating is. It's like, no, it's not a user rating. That's just. Yeah, no, the user rating won't come out until people are actually able to see it, which is Thursday night. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, so what, what's, what's your take on the whole, on the whole thing? Well, I have a couple takes. One, um, I'm fucking sick of this bullshit. I mean, this is, this is, this is like my nightmare of, uh, spoiler culture. Does that make sense? Like, like this is like, you know, if you go back and listen to some of our early episodes of the podcast, you can hear me ranting about how much I hated spoiler culture. <laughs> yes. And like, this is the, f- this is just like, the- it just got worse. It yeah. got worse. This is what we're, we're, where we're at now is, is people deciding to just like. Deciding to see a movie based on whatever the pre-release critic scores are. Well, and giving it energy, you know, like yep. everybody's freaking out about it. Yeah, and putting weight behind it. Yeah, like like on both sides of the spectrum. There's the ha- there's one half that's like, eh, fuck, Rotten Tomatoes. They should take down their website. They're just bought and sold. They're not <laughs> bought. They're not fucking bought and sold. That's no, ridiculous. That so that that is one thing. There's there's a petition. There's a petition by fan. And here's the thing. I'm super stoked for Suicide Squad, and I'm a huge DC fan. But there's a petition right now. To take down Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> because of this. And like, what? Really? Yeah. Like, and it's like. Shut up. Oh my God. <laughs> it's gotten so many signatures. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, do you really think that there is even a remote possibility that a bunch of people Here's going, the- we don't like your website, is going to make any difference? Here's the thing Rotten Tomatoes, 
I bet you 99% of the time I could pick a movie and see the rating and watch the movie and think that that rating is a, probably a pretty good, a roughly good percentage rating. Yeah. You know, whether or not I like the movie a lot or not, I can I could see why people would, would give it that percentage. Totally. I don't think Rotten Tomatoes is so out of the ballpark that it's like bought and sold by Marvel. Oh, totally. Against, no. against DC movies. It's ridiculous. Everybody's like, Ghostbusters got a 73%. Why does Suicide Squad only get 31%? And it's like, well, because a lot of people liked Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not a fucking conspiracy. No. Well, and here's the thing, the too. Con- like, wait, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on a roll. Go. And then the only thing, the only thing the conspiracy is, is that fucking the internet collectively decides to fucking hate Ghostbusters. And all these fans are like, fuck Ghostbusters. And then people actually, like, general population go out and see the movie. Not fans. Not like these internet fan peoples who, like, lurk on these forums to, like, yep. collectively make a decision for something six months in advance. <laughs> and then, and then uh, they all like it. The whole, like, general public liked Ghostbusters, or or at least liked it enough to give it a 70%, which isn't great, but it's not terrible either. Yeah, well, no, that so that was critics, though. Ghostbusters got pretty panned on the audience scores. Oh, really? Yeah, it was, let's see, it's a, not panned, sorry, but it's at 58% audience, 73% critic. Okay, perfect. So even those out, and like 65%. Yeah. Great. That's probably, that's probably... That's accurate. Yeah, that's probably about accurate, I'd say. As as far as like, yeah, the amount of people like what they you know, how much they enjoyed it. The the average critic rating was six point four. Yeah. So sixty percent of people in the audience liked it, six point four, give or take, blah blah blah. Yep, totally. Sixty five percent. Right? Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that, totally. Which is like not a bad score, not a great score. Yep. It's it's like if you go back and look at all your favorite movies, you're going to find a whole bunch of them sitting in that frame. Yeah, well, and, and a lot of them, like, that's the thing, is a lot of them have been kind of uh, put through rose-colored lenses, like, over time, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of movies that are, like, decent movies yeah, well, have been glorified over time, you know? Like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah, or, like, half of John Carpenter's movies. Yeah, I'd agree <laughs> with that. You know, I mean, because, yeah. like, I mean, Escape from New York, Escape from L.A., they're fun movies. Um, but they're, they're viewed as a lot different than I think what they actually are and especially what they were at the time. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, uh, 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 yeah, but no, anyway, yeah, go ahead. The, the, the fascinating thing to me is that people seem to think that Marvel and DC, you know, their film studios respectively want each other to fail. Like it's never been the case. Which also makes no sense to me. No. And it doesn't... Fu- it, well, let me just caveat there. It doesn't help that the fucking suicide director yelled fuck Marvel at their movie screening. Yeah, well, and I mean, so I do get that's that just, because... That's just, that's just... I don't know, man. That's tasteless. Come on. Well, I mean, I, I don't really mind that because I think... I, I, I like the idea that they're just like they've always done back in the day. They've sort of added fuel to the fire of like kind of generating that that competition even though they're all friends with each other and they like don't really have any personal bias i think they're all just kind of you know like they they like fueling that competitive fire just like you would with sports because i think it engages the fan base more um all right i I can see that a little bit but 
and and I mean, like, even Joe Casada responded to it by just saying, "Hey, like, Marvel fans, go easy on the guy. Like, it's just a little friendly competition. I'm excited for Suicide Squad and can't wait to see it. You know, stuff like that." And that's from Joe yeah. Quesada, who in the past has said very similar things about DC in interviews. Like when he was editor in chief at Marvel, he was he had quite a few quotes that were like, "Who the hell is DC? We've never even heard of them, and like they're wasting their properties and random shit like that." Um, oh, gotcha. But just for fun, you know, like it's all. I think it's all in fun and games. Um, right. But no, I mean the thing is, if like I think it's in both companies' best interests for both of them to make good movies because if you start getting tons of crappy superhero movies regardless of what the studio is it hurts the genre as a whole sure totally and so like i don't know i think because i think if you have like a justice league movie and an avengers movie that are both like doing incredibly well then all it does is make both studios you know kind of rise up to their own competition it's the same as it was with comic books like you know it kind of reached a crux sort of in the in the 80s and kind of in like the mid 2000s where both of them were writing really really good comics um and they had to kind of you know like they they had to step up to each other and that's that's when like comic book creators started getting paid really well if they were good you know and stuff like that i think i don't know i think that competition's good right so why so why do you think that dc's films are getting rated so poorly by critics so i think so here's the thing i don't think anyone's bought and paid for or like you know convinced to write negative reviews no i think that's ridiculous i think that's absolutely ridiculous um what i do think however is that there is a bias toward dc films that uh, especially films that involve somebody like Zack snyder or films that are now related to the Zack snyder properties because and and for good reason critics have never liked Zack snyder you know he makes bro movies um and yeah. and so suicide squad well, i think well like like nerd writer said it best he only wants to see those magical moments but he doesn't want any story between them totally oh absolutely was that was that nerd writer or was that uh captain christian that was nerd writer was it nerd writer okay um i always get those two confused um nope nope that was captain christian ha no way yep it was Oh, shit. I really like him. Yeah, for for the listeners, if you haven't gone, uh, go on uh, YouTube and search Watchmen Adapting the Unadaptable. And he very succinctly... No, that's not not what I'm I'm talking about, the the BVS, why BVS didn't work. Oh, that's right. That's... uh, Okay, yeah. Well, and and actually, both of them kind of touched on the same points. Um, It's funny that they were both released in, like, the same week, both of those videos. Hmm. But what what was that... What was Nerdwriters called? Uh... It was like Batman v Superman, or the problem with Batman v Superman, something like that. Eh, something like that. I could, I, I could look it up here, but yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, I mean, both. Either way, both of them are very good videos about why Zack Snyder sucks. Um, yeah. But anyway, so I think I think there is a bias. Um, oh, and the the video is called Batman v Superman: The Fundamental Flaw. Um, well, here's the here's the thing, though. I don't know if there is a bias because. Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy was incredibly successful. So, but that was before Zack Snyder had his hands on the properties. You think there's a bias solely because of Zack Snyder? Because of what the the tainted mood that like I I think that Zack Snyder himself has tainted these properties. Yes. Oh, you. Th- oh, oh, okay. I'm with you now. You think that the bias, the Suicide Squad bias, is because of BVS? Yes. I, well, I think it's because of Man of Steel and because of BVS um, and uh, Watchmen. Gotcha. 
And so I think there's sort of this, like, this is Zack Snyder's universe, and up until Zack Snyder gets the official boot, there will probably be quite a bit of weight for, for you know, fair reason. There will probably be quite a bit of weight holding down his films. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. And so I think, and I think with Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman may be the first DC film since Man of Steel to not have to fight that as much, only because it is the movie that it is. You know, it's it's Wonder Woman, and it's directed by a woman, and it's a very progressive film that, you know, for all intents and purposes, does look really awesome. Sure. Um, but I think even then, it will still probably have to be fighting an uphill battle there, and I think pretty much every DC film will have to until there is a great one. Um, you know, until there's sure. like an, an Avengers-level film that is just so good that, you know, people can't help but, but like it. Right. Um, and I think that will take a kind of giving Zack Snyder the boot because when you watch a Zack Snyder film, you're watching a Zack Snyder film. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not like the Russo brothers or like even, you know, somebody like JJ Abrams in many cases where you can watch his film and kind of forget that it's that director. I mean, with certain exceptions with JJ Abrams, there are always kind of like those sort of tent poles, but those sort of lens flares that are everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Like the lens flares and a few, you know, like the mystery box and stuff like that. But like you no, watch I, I, Star I, Wars. I, I, I got you. hundred percent. Well, I mean, to some degree, I think like you watch Spielberg movies and like you can tell it's Spielberg movie. They're yeah. pretty obviously Spielberg movies, but they're also generally pretty good movies. Yeah. And so, and so what I mean basically is just that with Zack Snyder, with him, especially up until now, how much control he's kind of had over these properties his flavor and his sort of taint has been all over <laughs> his taint um has been all over these movies and so there are always like those little things where you go oh there it is there it is there it is um right. and so up until that flavor is kind of washed from these properties i think there will be an uphill battle to fight and i think with suicide squad being that it's directed by david ayer who is known for very very dark cd hard-hitting movies and typically war movies you know he did end of watch and fury and wrote uh, training day and fast and furious like you know he kind of he does that type of thing and so i think he for for this movie to come out on the heels of batman v superman from a director who you know isn't Zack snyder in terms of the way he directs but has a similar feel in a lot of ways because everything he does is so dark and dirty and 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 visceral um i think it was just kind of the wrong time for for the movie to come out and i i'm willing to bet you it's not nearly as bad as the critic reviews are painting it to be um however well i fought that with bbs until i saw it and And then i I, and then i continued to fight it that's the thing i was like no way it's that bad no way it's that bad i saw it i hated it then i saw the extended cut and i was like "Mm, okay no, all right. I can. I'm a little bit more on board. <laughs> and then I went for the third time, and uh, just kind of saw right through it. Yeah, I mean, I get you there. And and BVS, I still so I still enjoy things about it, but there there are definitely a lot of things that really bog it down. Um, and and a lot of it does have to do with just Zack Snyder's style of directing, um, and just the cramped storytelling and a few other things like that, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it would take, it would take DC releasing a movie like Ant-Man before people start to look at it in a different way. You know what I mean? 
it would take you know, a it would take a Guardians of the Galaxy or an Ant Man, something you know, a movie like that that is lighthearted and and I got you, and you a know, little bit more left field. Yeah, devoid of darkness and left field. Like if they were to release, let's say, a Legion of Superheroes movie, then I think people might go, "Oh, okay, this is a different direction," and then start to look at the the new movies that they release, even outside of that, uh, in a different oh, way. And this one's this one's like a lot of the panning is because this one's like obviously wasn't trying to be that and then they tried to throw it in there yeah i mean in 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 some of the reshoots and and later on like if you'll you'll just watch the marketing even for this movie from the first trailer last year up until now the marketing itself has changed so much in tone because they are trying to make it more bright and poppy and fun and all that um and i think that i think that's the the, of all the notes because i read some of the reviews and it's just i'm kind of curious and the one note that stuck to me that I hope I can get rid of in my head. Mm-hmm. It, it's that it's like watching like an MTV video. Oh, really? That it's all like it's like as dubstepy as they could possibly make it, which makes me nervous. That does make but, me nervous, but I'm still gonna see it. Yeah. I'm gonna judge for myself. No, and I'm excited to see it. And I so here's the one thing that I think, regardless of like whether the movie was executed perfectly or not, the one thing that I I do believe is that walking away from this movie there will be a lot of really strong characters to be able to play on in the future i i i'm willing to bet you that as far as a character piece this movie functions very well Hmm. i just like i just knowing like knowing david ayer's films like i do you know watch you watch fury you watch end of watch or training day or any of those the biggest thing that really stands out sorry go ahead yeah i was just gonna say the biggest thing that that really stands out is the characters whether they're being played by actors like Denzel Washington or Brad Pitt, or they're being played by actors like, you know, Logan Lerman or Shia LaBeouf or, you know, Michael Pena. Like the characters always kind of shine through regardless of the type of film that they're in. And even, even in a movie like Sabotage, which I kind of hated and I think is probably David Ayer's worst film, there were still very strong characters in that, even though they were all assholes that would take a fucking psychopath to like, um, they were still very strong character wise. Mm. And so that, that's like the one sort of contention that I hold is I, I do believe that there will be just a, a lot of characters to build from after this film. Have you read any of the reviews yet? I haven't read any of them. I'm not going to read any until I see it. Um, okay. Yeah. Good. Don't, I was just going to tell you to not read reviews then. Yeah. No, I, and that's like, uh, that's the thing. I, I can't read reviews anymore before a film, regard whether they're good or bad. Like, because I th- I just think it it flavors and taints everything that you see, you know. Yeah, to some degree. I mean, I you know I've definitely read really negative reviews and totally enjoyed the movie before. Yeah, it's just like like let's say because you'll read a review and and somebody will call out a specific performance or a specific character or a specific moment, and so then because of whatever they say about that character or moment, when you see that in the film later, then you're, you already have that preconceived notion about what that is beforehand. You know, if people say like, Oh, this scene is like, you know, they call it a scene like, Oh, there's totally, you know, like some pandering scene or whatever. And then, you know, maybe a scene that, that normally you would have looked at and gone, Oh, that's really fun. And I liked that scene. Now you go, Oh, they're just pandering and trying to get us, you know, get a rise out of us. Sure. Which is essentially what all filmmaking is like, at its essence, but it's just, it's I think I think reading those things about specific characters or scenes or moments or whatever in a film before seeing it just totally taints and flavors that to be that way when you see it rather than coming up with your own response as you're watching it. 
Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that's absolutely important to make sure to go in as objectively as possible and or as unobjectively as possible and judge for yourself. But yeah, no, I I don't know. I guess more to it, more to it is just that that it's like it's such a polarizing thing these days that we're seeing with for some particular. I mean, we saw it with Fantastic Four, but we're seeing it with DC movies more than ever. Absolutely. I know. And it, it doesn't seem to be happening with the, the Fox movies as much like X-Men Apocalypse. I really enjoyed and and I, I thought it was really weird how that one got panned. But um, but it doesn't it doesn't seem to generate as much outcry. And maybe it's just because there's so many fanboys who are like Marvel needs them back. Um, yeah. But yeah. And I, I do hate the outcry. I hate that there's outcry about everything like what well, on both sides. Yeah. You know? Like, just shut the fuck up and just it's like. Like I, I don't. My if if my news feed's full of people, literally just like dissing other people because they liked or didn't like the movie. Ugh. That's not a, that's not a healthy movie community. No, because that you that's know? the joy of movies is like they everyone has like it's it's based on perspective and that's like kind of what I hate about Rotten Tomatoes and especially about the fact that you know the Rotten Tomatoes aggregates come out before the movie does. Is that it? Like it, it flavors it so much where everyone, like in so many people's heads, everyone should feel the same about everything if they're smart. You know what I mean? Like smart yeah. people should feel the same way that I feel about this movie. Whereas it kind of used to be, you know, when it was just like, oh yeah, there are like two or three movie critics out there, but like everyone just sort of sees movies. Um, you know, people decided what they liked about it. You know, and and you know, Star Wars became a phenomenon not because of critics. You know what I mean? Like. Star Wars became a phenomenon because people went into the theater and had fun. And yeah, there were people who never became Star Wars people, just like there were people who never became Star Trek people or, or you know, whatever. Like, But it was because people went into it allowing themselves to have that experience without reading, you know, 58 reviews beforehand about whether sure. the movie was good or not. Sure. Because if you look at, at the time, honestly, like if, if critics, you know, and reviews were as big a thing then as they are now... I don't think some of the tentpole movies that are like that are huge now would be looked at as fondly because like Star Wars at the time, like if you're just going in there and watching that without any sort of flavoring of like other people seeing it, you know, you saw you saw a pre-release screener for Star Wars and you go, what the fuck is this weird ass Flash Gordon, like cheesy Saturday morning, whatever bullcrap. Right. You know, and so I don't know. I, I wish I wish that pre-release reviews didn't happen honestly yeah i i get that i think you're i think you're probably right on the nose there and just like i don't know it's just like this whole superhero thing now it's such a giant cultural phenomenon that like you can't get away from it everybody wants it yep everybody wants it today yeah and uh it's 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 really weird. I my only my only hope is that like you know I mean obviously my my biggest hope above it all is just that like people make good movies and I enjoy watching them. You know what I mean? But like it's 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 just a little it's a little weird having such a fierce like bitter animosity on on both sides of it where it's like marvel fans hate dc fans dc fans hate critics critics love marvel and fox is a totally you know fox's second tier and and marvel needs to just get the rights back to those characters and like it's oh, crazy it, yeah it's, it's crazy just, it's weird rather than 
you know, because like, I mean, I guess here here's a big thing for me is that growing up, if I would, you know, go to the comic book store, there would be Marvel fans and there would be DC fans. And many of the Marvel fans wouldn't read DC and many of the DC fans wouldn't read Marvel. However, they would all talk to each other and be friendly with each other and like still be sort of the same people because they were the ones who read comics and they couldn't, you know, they couldn't really afford to like say, hey, fuck you because you like that other thing. Because then it's like, oh, okay, well, now I have, you know, 25% less friends who read comic books. Um, but now, since everybody watches them, it's it's allowing people to, like, just be completely close-minded to other people who think differently than them. You know what I mean? Sure. And it's, I, I guess it's the same with politics now. Like, it feels like everything is just getting more and more divisive. Oh, uh, I mean, that, yeah, it is. And, I mean, I think part of that's anonymous internet culture. You don't have to be nice on the internet. Yeah, very true. On the internet, nobody knows you're a horse, right? Um. Anyway, I'm 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 just. No, I don't have much more. To, I don't have much more to say about either. I just cool. I I think that's just kind of sums it up of like, like uh, you know I've said it before. This is this kind of like attitude. This sort of like this sort of culture makes me want to just like be like, you know what? Nah, I'm done. Like, yeah. You know, oh, oh, this thing that I've loved my since I was a kid, you you fucking all you all ruined it. Yeah, y'all ruined it. It's too negative. It's too toxic, and I'm I'm done. I don't want to like. I'm not gonna like go out and be like, yeah, I'm a fanboy because then I'm just instantly lumped into a bunch of fucking assholes who are like have too many like nasty rivalries. Like healthy rivalries are fun, you know? If I totally. can like give you if I can give you shit for being a DC fanboy and you can give me shit for being a Marvel fanboy, it's all in good fun and there's no animosity. And at the end of the day we're both just stoked that somebody else is into the same thing. Exactly. No, and that's like I think that's the biggest thing is like, you know, and and like I think both of us kind of grew up in that thing where it was like, oh yeah, we read comic books, but we don't talk about the fact that we read comic books in public because nobody else does, and we don't want to look like losers. And oh, so, totally. So then you meet somebody else or like see somebody else with a comic book, and you're like, fucking sweet! Like I can actually talk to somebody about this thing that's like literally just existed in my head for so long because right. I, you know, because it's, it's just a, a fucking sound box, and right. and and now every single person is a DC or Marvel fanboy. Yep. And they all hate each other. Yeah. It's it's fucking weird and I I'm sick of it. Like I I just and it's like I've I've talked to a lot of people since moving here and it, it is always a question like are you a, are you a Marvel person or a DC person? And I'm always like, well, like honestly I'm both, but like if, you know, if I were to favor one, I'm probably like 60% DC, 40% Marvel. Um and and that tends to come out a little louder only because it seems like there are a lot more you know, Marvel fans than there are DC fans right now for good reason. Um, but it's like, sure. it's, 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 it's this weird thing of like sort of having to pick a side and then like, because of whatever, whichever one you tend to like more, it, it puts you into a certain pigeonhole almost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it's like, if you say you like DC, all of a sudden that means you're like, you know, I like the gritty fight crazy action scenes that that don't have much story but just are a lot of punching you know like right and it's like no i mean i i like good movies and good comics and and shit like but i i don't know it's it's all weird it's all weird anyway so speaking of suicide squad yes you've you've heard of this this joker fella right 
Um, maybe. You know, he he goes around and makes jokes. Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler does make jokes. Uh, this guy wears makeup. Um, Tim Allen. Uh, Tim. Well, Tim Allen does wear makeup. Uh, skinnier than Tim Allen. Slightly more Bobcat, fictional. Bobcat Goldthwaite and Shakes the Clown. Very, very close to Bobcat Goldthwaite. Directs less I'm movies, though. I'm just kidding. I know where <laughs> we're going with this. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, fact. I watched The Killing Joke. Batman: The Killing Joke, the animated movie adapted from Alan Moore's seminal work on the character. Uh, what'd you think? You know, I have. I'm having a rough time here, man, because I don't <laughs> I don't want to be like that guy that just doesn't like all the DC properties because it's not there's no animosity around it. Right. Like, I don't I don't think DC is stupid. Yeah. Um, by any means. And, you know, I want to I, I, I would I like to think that maybe I'm just that I'm trying to be as objective as possible when I'm watching these things. But I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I maybe I'm way more bias than i think i am i i don't know anyway i didn't like it at all i thought it was terrible yeah um yeah uh, i'm not trying to be a hater i know it's like matt's a dc hater that's the everybody knows that about matt <laughs> but uh because man like if there was something i liked i would be i'd be all over the place with it yeah, well, and and I mean, there have been things you've liked. I mean, you've watched some of the animated movies, and and that's true. Them. I mean, yeah. Let me let me let me give myself some credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before before because, we sound like total haters, because I did like uh, I really liked the Flashpoint Paradox. I really liked uh, New Frontier. Um, New Frontier is fantastic. I mean, fuck, man! I like the Batman the animated series. Oh yeah, it's hard not to. One. That was well. I mean, but just saying, like, yeah, yeah. There's plenty of DC stuff I've enjoyed. I I'm a weird odd man out. I liked Superman Returns. I I enjoy it for what it is. It's still not like my favorite movie, but it was very earnest and fun. I think. Yeah, I I, I liked it. Yeah. Um, that's like I'm gonna wear my puffin shirt today. <laughs> um. Anyway, what do you think? So I I enjoyed it. Um. There were definitely aspects of it that I enjoyed less. Um, sure. Over overall, I did like it, and I think. And here, here's the thing that, and th- this was something that was touched on in that Watchmen video that I I wholeheartedly agree with is that adaptations are never meant to replace their source material, but rather intended to add on to it or look at it in a different way. Um, Absolutely. And so. In in watching this, I was never, I was never going into it going, okay, this is going to be the translation of Alan Moore's The Killing Joke into, you know, an animated movie. Like it just because it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work that way. There's a difference between translation and adaptation. Mm-hmm. And beforehand, I heard that they were adding a lot of Batgirl subplots uh, to the film, and which it, was just for like, because if you just drop yourself right into it, the main story. It might be a little confusing. Yeah, it might be a little confusing, and it's pretty short. Like the the book itself was, I think, only like seventy pages. If I'm if I'm oh, correct. No. Yeah, it's very short. And so, because I think it was originally just released as a prestige format issue. Like I don't think it was even released in multiple issues or anything like that. No, um, I think you're right. But uh, 
so yeah, I going into it, I was like, okay, this is going to be different. I am not expecting it to be the graphic novel. Um, and so I think that kind of informed my enjoyment of it. And I loved both Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy's performances. Um, I liked. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll give both of them top-notch credit. I thought they both did great. Yeah. Um, uh, I wholeheartedly agree with you there. And uh, and so I I liked those those aspects of it. Um, the so the I'll tell you the the one thing that everyone's calling out the most is the Batman and Batgirl having an explicitly romantic relationship and and having sex. Uh-huh. Um, I I didn't mind that too much, only because it it is something that's been hinted at and and shown to an extent in the comics before and even in the Batman animated series um there have been there have been hints about it before this was just a lot more blatant um sure and and i was well, like go ahead you have to look at it as it's a it's an hour long video you can't like spend 45 minutes like subtly trying to hint that they're in a relationship or have some sort of a romantic relationship oh exactly and I mean, you have to just either one and done it or don't do it. Yeah, and and people look at it as creepy and stuff like that because they're like, I think a lot of people's lens of it is that Batgirl is a kid, you know, is like eighteen years old or something, and then Batman is like in his forties. But really, Batman is like perennially, especially in these stories, Batman's perennially like thirty one, thirty two, and at the time, Barbara mm-hmm. Gordon was like in college, and so she's like, you know, maybe twenty two or something. So there's about a ten year age difference. But it's not like it's not quite. That's 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 like between me and your mom. It's fine. <laughs> no, with you and my mom, it's more like oh, probably twenty years. Um, but that was that was a good joke. I appreciate that. Um, but no, I mean, and so yeah, sure. Like a twenty-two-year-old and a thirty-two-year-old. Like there's a ten-year age gap there. But it's not like I mean that's not creepy level. It's slightly odd, but it's definitely not unheard of. Um. And, uh, yeah. and I, yeah, I don't think it stretches to creepy by any means. Um, no, and and well, okay. So, and and for me, I have no prior knowledge of what Batman and Batgirl's relationship ever was, and it didn't yeah. strike me in the film as creepy at all. Like that was like that was literally of all the things that people are talking about with that movie. That's mm-hmm. the bottom of the totem pole for me. I was like, nah, whatever. Yeah. That's I, it doesn't matter. That's no, there's no problem there. Who cares? Yeah, so I didn't care about that, and I thought I thought it did add something to the story. Um, there were well, it, it 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 gives it weight. Yeah, much more weight, especially because right. you go in there and you're just introduced to Batgirl, and then she's paralyzed rather than or introduced to Barbara, and she's paralyzed rather than introduced to her as you know his his teammate and kind of romantic interest. Like exactly. I mean, you could have had it just to be a teammate. And yep. Obviously, you would have cared a little bit, but. Get a little bit of romance in there, and it obviously matters much more. Totally, and I and I do think that like, you know, it was a little more heavy handed than it needed to be with having them have sex and all that stuff. But whatever, um, you know, it's whatever. not like a... just trying to be dark and gritty. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so then, I mean, I'll tell you, my my number one problem with the film was the musical number. Yeah, I would. I'm going to go ahead and put that up in my top top. I don't want to say three because I might have more. So I'm going to say okay. top five. Okay. Top five things I didn't like about that movie. That was up in the top five somewhere. Yeah. I overall, I, I mean, 
I enjoyed the movie, and I'll and basically this is the last like thing that I'll say about it, and then I I want to hear what kind of things were were problems for you. Um, but I I I liked almost everything in the movie except for that freaking musical scene where it was a different storyboard storyboard artist and a different animator, and they changed yep. all of the lyrics to like the song that the Joker had, which I understand because Alan Moore did, like is not a songwriter. He wrote that, and it didn't really ever feel like a song when you're reading it well, um i never took it to be a song while i was reading it well it showed musical notes on it and stuff like that it was kind of yeah, intended but, to be that but but i don't expect it to be a musical number i expect it to be joker <laughs> being joker and like sing song he's saying this weird shit and just doing like just being crazy yeah i kind of expected that too you know um Not a fucking broadway hit <laughs> yeah or a broadway broadway miss in this case yeah and it like the animation got so, so, so much worse in that scene. Like, it looked really crappy. Um, well, so that's that's the, oh, another thing in the top of my list, is I thought the animation throughout the entire thing was pretty bad. I, uh, I did not think the animation was up to par with the other stuff that I've seen from DC with how they do their animation. I mean, this, to me, looked like very basic Flash animation with a good artist, but, I mean, like... You know, like it's like not much happens. There's like very simple movements throughout the whole thing. There's not much like if somebody walks, they just like literally took the character and like rocked them back and forth. Yeah. You know, there's it's not they didn't it's it doesn't look like they put a lot of effort into it. It looks like they just kind of like half assed some animation and threw it up on something and said, it's the killing joke. You're going to love it because it's the greatest Batman story ever told. Yeah. I, I... And uh, you'll love it. I do think that the animation overall was not up to par with what DC typically does. Um, it did feel like it felt like it had just like a lower frame rate almost like. Yeah, like that's what I mean, like a lower frame rate, like just not nothing was really anime. I mean, like watch it again, l really pay attention to how much stuff is going on in the scenes when things are happening. Uh huh. I mean, it's really like, OK, here's the guy sitting on this like children's duck thing right like in that you know where Joker yeah, kills yeah, that yeah. guy yeah but only animate the spring yeah know? that's and then true once, there was and, nothing and then else. once the spring's done then you can move his hand a little bit and then start moving this i mean it just doesn't look like they put a lot of effort into really trying to get a full animation out of it they were like how quickly can we get this out and have stuff move around a little bit yeah and so that was you know that's that's not even like a story thing that's just like objectively looking at something as an animated film and being like, this is South Park level, you know, like this is a different animation style, but South Park level. Totally. Even South, even South Park has more movement going on in this stuff than this does. <laughs> I mean, there's like those close-ups of Joker's face and the, it, his lips don't change. Like his, it's his bottom jaw going up and down a little bit. That's it. Nothing yeah. else. And like, that should pass off. That's your hot Joker moment. Uh, no, it didn't do it for me. Really was unhappy with that. And it's a bummer, too, because the Killing Joke was, you know, not that I'm a huge DC reader, but uh, that was one of the few that I have read and loved. I thought that was an awesome comic. Absolutely. Uh, no, and it... Anyway. It was, a, it, was yeah. a, it was a great... It was totally a great comic. I mean, it's it's, you know, one of the best Joker stories ever ever told um and i mean so here's one reason i think that it didn't end up looking 
quite as great was it so it was pretty rushed like as much as they they announced initially back in like 2000 and like 10 or 11 that they were going to work on this and then it got halted when uh when Watchmen didn't succeed very well and or didn't do it very well in the theaters and so they're like okay maybe people aren't going to want to see this so they pumped the brakes <laughs> that, that was the problem with it yeah Alan Moore <laughs> was the problem with it yeah exactly no I think it was just like the the flavor of it they didn't want to release two Alan Moore adaptations that are very dark right around the same time and have them both underperform uh, it I mean yeah sure it's it's misinterpreting I mean that's you gotta well you gotta you gotta it's like at some point take a moment and be like Warner Brothers you guys are fucking idiots well it's I don't think it's that they're idiots because they they make so many like every year they make so many right decisions but with the DC properties they haven't up until very 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 recently <laughs> okay sure up, like literally up until they had a head of DC films like until DC Entertainment started being handled as a separate thing rather than like well, technically, we don't know that's the case yet, but we can we can hope for it. Yeah, I just I think making that decision itself was absolutely a step in the right direction. Okay. Is what I mean. Okay. Um, sure. Well, I mean, because come on, the Nolan trilogy was a good decision. Absolutely, it was. But then they took that and went, "Oh, okay, we need to try and approach everything the same way that Nolan approached the Dark Knight." You know, like that was a, that was a huge mistake. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. What were you? What were you saying? Um, but so this, rushed. this didn't, yeah, this didn't officially go into production until March of this year. Well, it's fucking, there you go. What the fuck, dude? Yeah. The budget, the budget for the killing joke was 3.5 million. Yep. It was. Yeah. The budget. No, dude. No, that was not a fucking $3.5 million presentation. No, not at all. And I'm actually, I'm going to look up one of their direct to video, um, movies and I got see. it right. I, I got it right here. Okay. Let's do the Red Hood because that one's generally considered good, right? Yeah, I like that one. I know that one was very popular. You want you want the budget on it? Yeah, give me the budget. Okay, hang on. Or does it list that? Yeah, it should. Uh, uh, sorry, no, it doesn't actually. Yeah, I'm trying to look up a few right now and just see. Let's see, Justice League. Justice League Doom was a really good one. Yep, I'll look that up too. Uh, that one doesn't show it. Um. I don't know. I think I think when they're not theatrically released, they might not uh, list the budget. budget. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I'm gonna look up on a few. Uh, anyway, but yeah, I mean, I I think that it was absolutely a rushed project, and needlessly so. I mean, I I don't think that it it needed to be that at all. Um, yeah, were were they like, were they like, oh wait a minute, people don't like this. Um. Uh, people don't like Batman versus Superman. Uh, how about how about this Batman thing? <laughs> <laughs> it felt you like, like this, it. right? You like this, huh? It kind it's of Mark felt Hamill that way. again. Yeah. Okay, so um, Flashpoint Paradox was three point five million budget as well. Oh wow, yeah, that one was done way better. Way better, huh? So I think I think I think you just nailed it right there. It they rushed it. Yeah. You try to rush something and. Yeah, I think it was probably because they had originally announced a 2016 release date, and then they're like, "Oh crap, we don't want to release this at the same time as Suicide Squad or something." So they're like, "Okay, we got to get it out before then." Yep. Fucking, it was weird. Um, but no, I mean, overall, as far as like the story goes, and I think the execution, like I think it was fairly well written. There were some areas I wish would have been approached a little bit differently, 
Um, mm-hmm. However, I did enjoy it. But what? So, what were some of your problems apart from uh, what we already covered? Uh, I mean, that's that, that. That's the big stuff, and that's the, that's the stuff that makes it tricky to like kind of like get into the zone of it if it, everything just feels not good. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else did I not like about it? I don't know. It just didn't. The, it was just kind of like slow, boring. Yeah. Kind of. I don't know. It didn't really. It just didn't really have some any like oomph to it or. Yeah, it definitely didn't quite move uh, the way you would hope. No, and then here's the other thing I didn't like is I didn't like the ending. And I, I don't know if we should talk about it because it's kind of spoilery. Let's let's talk. I mean, it's it's the Killing Joke. It's been out forever. What? So tell me what you didn't like about the ending. I guess what I didn't like about the ending was how. It's going to sound so. Uh, I feel like I'm like unintentionally repeating myself with right. the the problems I'm having with these DC things, but like. Um, uh, it it felt like you're supposed to have this you're supposed to have this like powerful profound moment at the end where they like kind of see eye to eye for a little bit and laugh at that dumb joke. Uh huh. And I get that that's a powerful moment in the in the sort of the relationship between Batman and Joker, and that's a really good that worked really well in the comic. But in this, like the I don't know. I mean, you know, it's hard to do a it's hard to do a. Uh, Mark Hamill aside, it's hard to do a, a a a laugh. Yeah, and Kevin Conroy does not do it well. And then, then how they f- kind of did the, like the fade out type thing. It was like it did like, feel weird. Out. It just like f- just faded right out, and then it like just had like sound of rain, right? Was, yeah. Am I, am I, so right? well, so it's like the I'll, sound of rain for a while. I'll explain. I'll explain why they did that. So. There, there's a, a bit of controversy on the ending of The Killing Joke, just the comic book itself, and I think they tried to adapt that. So, in the comic book, uh, when you look at when you look at the last page of that comic book, Joker tells his joke about the light, and and you know you turn it off when I was halfway over, or whatever. They both start laughing. Batman, you know, or Joker starts laughing. Batman starts laughing, and then he reaches his hand out to like, you know, like he he reaches his hand out to the Joker and kind of puts it. Up maybe on his shoulder but it's kind of a silhouette so you can't see but he's reaching his hand out to the joker and then the camera kind of pans down and you see the laughter going and then in one panel joker's laughter stops and batman's laughter keeps going and then in the next panel it just you know then it's just rain and so the the thought there the controversy is there that alan moore may have been implying that batman killed the joker without actually showing it And so then Joker's laughter immediately stops. You know, Batman reaches out to the Joker and like snaps his neck or something. And then Joker's laughter stops and then Batman's keeps going for a little bit. And then it's just rain Um, because basically it's all over. And that's kind of the whole, you know, idea of like, oh, that's why the title is The Killing Joke. Because, you know, you don't see anybody get killed in that book, really. Like there's no there's no killing. And the only real joke that he tells is that last joke and that. You know, technically, if you're looking for the killing joke, that would exactly be what it was, is Joker told the joke that made Batman finally kill. Right. Which, which again, why is Alan Moore such a great writer? Because he fucking pulls off shit like that. Exactly. And so I think they were trying to keep the anonymity of that ending true. They were, try- they were trying to stay true to that, you know, that ending and keep it as, as clear as they could. Um, however, it's, it's a lot, like, it's a lot harder to pull off that ending 
in a film than it is in a comic book. Uh, yeah, I get that, and I and I and I understand like that 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 how tricky that could be. And I think that it's, here's the trap that I was that I that I'm keep finding myself saying. It's just another one of those. It's just another one of those things where it's like we you, this is we're gonna fade out. It's gonna sound like rain. You're gonna hear laughter, and it's gonna be like you you the viewer. This is your moment to feel odd. Yeah, like this is this is your moment now. This is what you need to feel, and I just fucking fucking hate that, you know? Yeah, because it feels like they're trying to do it to you. They're trying to make tell- you be introspective instead of telling a good story and let that happen naturally because you told a, a story worthy of that feeling. Yeah, I'm sick of people being like, "No, this is how you're supposed to feel right now. You're supposed to feel odd. You're supposed to feel amazed. You're supposed to feel mad right now." And I just don't, I just don't like that. I just did not think that worked. And I, I know, I know it was, you know, it's, 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 it's the, the end of the comic too, but it just did not translate. And I, I don't know. I don't think they did it right. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. And I think, you know, if you're, if you're adapting an Alan Moore comic, then, you know, four months is yeah. not enough time to, to figure out how to adapt that. No, not even close. No, it's ridiculous. Because it's like with an ending like that, I mean, you have to do some serious thinking about how to do it and how like how close to stick to, to the have, comic book and well and how to build up to it. Totally. Should it be that five minutes before that happens you have the worst song and dance number ever? <laughs> no. That takes you completely out of the entire thing totally. I mean like I was kind of into it at the end. I was like, okay, it's getting better. And then that happened and I was like, fuck. Like I'm out. You took me out and you're gonna try to pull me back in at the end and say no, remember where we were? We're back there. Now, remember, this is what you're supposed to feel. And it's just, it just doesn't work. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. I, I hate being in, I hate hating on DC now because it's like, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're not making it easy on me. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you there. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I understand. Like, I, I don't, I don't in any way think that uh you know I, I I don't I don't I don't think that it's it's a movie that should be universally loved or anything like that. I think it's something that that is for a very specific person. Um and and you know I mean, literally it's, literally it's for someone if they I'm not even going to say what I was going to say. Forget it. Never mind. Go for it. No, I'm not going to do it. Okay. It's bad. Um it's, it's poor taste and rude. <laughs> okay but i no i I mean i think it's i think there's just things that just don't translate and alan moore properties just have thus far haven't really translated yeah no i think that they like they did a pretty good job with v for vendetta i think that movie most people generally like that movie yeah alan moore hates it but that i think that movie was done very well yeah, I mean, Alan Moore hates everything that's not his comic books, <laughs> exactly. so it's well, kind of hard to use him as an example. But exactly, and it is something like I. So I have his um his like writing for comics book where he kind of talks about his sort of writing method and how to you know create comics and stuff like that. And that's one thing that he's very big on is you the way you approach writing comic books can never be a movie without motion or sound and a book with pictures. You know what I mean? Like you can never look at it either of those ways because then it just becomes a cheap imitation of, of something else. And it's got to be written as its own thing. And so I think that is, well, it's the, it's the Calvin and Hobbes 
conundrum, right? Totally. It's the like why does Calvin Hobbes work so well? Because it was in a it was in the it was he was limited to a format, and then I know he broke out of the format eventually and was able to kind of take some creative licensing, but he stuck with that and he worked it into it and it worked super well. Yeah. Like, could you could you imagine watching a Calvin Hobbes movie? It would be awful. Yeah, I probably would. Like, you know, it would be terrible. It just doesn't work, and it, it, that would not translate. And I think the uh, comics generally don't. I mean. Yeah, and that, you know, that's and I, something. I, did you ever watch the documentary, uh, Dear Mr. Watterson? Yeah, yeah, that's that's something it touches on perfectly. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's because I mean that's that's been that's kind of like was Bill Watterson's whole thing for years. Is totally. I, anyway, I mean, I, and I think one of the reasons that we're seeing the super superhero films that we are seeing that do work are because they're just taking ideas from comics and creating a new story. It's a whole new yep. thing. They're not trying to copy comics. No, and they're they not shouldn't. Trying to. No, and they shouldn't. And then they're not trying to like pay homage to this, you know, quintessential masterpiece that was written ten years ago, however long it was, twenty years ago. I don't, I don't know. Killing Joke. Yeah, when uh, was it written? That was written, it, I think, in the late '80s. It might have been early '90s. Okay. So anyway, so you're not. They're trying to do that. They're just trying to, you know, use the characters and tell new stories. And I think that's what works. That's that's why those things work so well. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, you know, like Dare, like Daredevil was obviously trying to play off a bunch of the Frank Miller stuff, but why did it work so well? Because it wasn't exactly. They no, changed it. They weren't doing the same thing. They were using the ideas. Exactly, and, and using ideas is fine. And I think that that's, you know, I mean, I think that's just, I don't know, man, that's one of the things. I mean, maybe that's why, maybe that's one of Zack Snyder's problems is he's like, he has this idea in his head that he needs to be faithful to the source material. And well, yeah, he try he tries to make a comic book on screen. You know, it's it's kind of like, um, it's it's you know going back to that watchman video it's he touches on it there and and i think uh it was even touched on in the batman v superman video where in watchman he tries to you know because because in watchman alan moore does this thing and it's and it's exactly what he talks about where he he uses the fact that it is a comic book to enhance the story and so if you look at you know the overall the the whole book there's every single page that's on a nine panel grid is the the center of um of the page you know the middle panel of that nine panel grid is the focus of the entire of the entire page it's the theme of the entire page and when it breaks from that nine panel grid the middle you know bar in there or whatever is is the type of focus point that tells a story and then there's even the fact that there's the i think it's issue number five the entire issue has a mirrored layout and it's the turning point where rorschach basically goes from you know, goes from being a a sort of detective trying to put together the pieces to going completely unhinged and going commando, and yeah. and without that, you know, without sort of that that slowing and speeding up and and sort of that shift of focus in those comic books, it's hard to do. And so then with with somebody like Zack Snyder, he tries to take that and goes, oh, okay, those focusing moments. That's when I'm going to slow down, you know, and and do the super slow motion and then like enhance it that way and make it a focus point that way, which is a good idea. But it's still just trying to imitate a comic book and yeah. turn it into film, which is the absolute wrong way to do an adaptation. Right, and it, it, right, and I mean that works. That that you can you can say that for BVS too, where he does the 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 moments as we're going to continue to call them. Yeah, where those would be like a full page panel. Exactly, they'd be a giant splash page. It'd be one splash page, and it would be like that's the, like you know, and there's some dialogue going on, and then you have you know plot 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 plot, then a splash page, and that's just 
uh, anyway, I don't know. I don't. I don't need to like, continue down the why I hate Zack Snyder. <laughs> path. I think we've burned that one into the ground. Yeah, but I, I do think it's it's like anybody trying to adapt Alan Moore's works to screen. I mean, a probably just a bad idea in general. B, if you're going to take some take some serious time to try it because it's you can't you can't just make it a translation it doesn't translate and so you have to figure out how to take the spirit of that and turn it into film and so you're going to have to be okay with changing the look and feel of some moments to convey the same message because it's a different medium exactly and so it's it's very and that's and that's why like for the the dark knight trilogy christopher nolan's dark knight trilogy those are are like if it weren't for the costume those would be unrecognizable as batman films because sure. that is not the same Batman from the comic books, you know, and, and yeah. it wasn't the same Joker from the comic books and it wasn't the same Scarecrow or the same, you know, uh, Bane like. No, absolutely. It was it was, <laughs> it was a film adaptation exactly. of characters from comic books. Yeah. And it was and it was a, you know, a pretty extreme altering in some cases, but it's it still worked. yeah, it was a way to stick true to the ideals of those characters while making them work on film. Exactly. And, and that's that's why they succeeded. And and I would never try to be like, oh yeah, well then let's take the comic books now and make them more like the Dark Knight because then they cease to be what they are. You know, like oh, exactly. You need to is- Excuse me. You need to isolate the two worlds. Exactly. It, there needs to be a little more separation because you know people talk about how Marvel is staying true to their source material, and they think that that's because they're just taking things from the comics and putting them on screen when really it's just they are isolating the spirit of what makes those comic books good right what made what made captain america's speech so powerful in civil war was having sharon carter say it at pedigree carter's funeral totally it was it was what it represented and and not what it was exactly yep um anyway uh we'll 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 move on to being a little more optimistic getting getting near close all right so uh, that actually does it for uh, this episode we went a lot longer than i expected (laughs) uh i was not doing a good job of keeping track of time so enjoy that episode uh we've got another little uh mini episode for you that's a bit more optimistic than uh this uh this very rant heavy uh negativity filled episode that was a really weird way of saying negativity wasn't it huh that's funny um but yeah you know check out the show notes Follow us on the social networks, all that stuff. Um, and uh, look forward to our little mini optimism episode tomorrow uh, entitled The Feels Episode. And you'll find out why when you listen to it. In the meantime, have a good day and uh, enjoy this song. 